All right, welcome back to Selfless. This is week three in the Selfless series, New Year, Less Me. Does it still feel like a new year? feels kind of old to me. It's like, wow, it's a long time ago when we turned that calendar page. New Year, Less Me. Selfless. We have been doing this series to help us become more selfless, which is precisely what Jesus wants from us. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. He said, then whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Another way to say this, become selfless, become like Jesus, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We're going to shift into a topic of selflessness today and this will introduce a little bit out of Proverbs. Here's the verse. It says, some people, this is Proverbs 21, 26, some people are always greedy for more. That's self-centered, self-centered. Opposite of that, but the godly live or love to give. I almost said live to gov, but that doesn't work. <clears throat> love to give. All right. Now, I wrote some things down this morning. I mean, I had a full manuscript and had a shift inside of what I wanted to say, and so I don't normally read things, and it's not because I don't have it memorized. I want to read this so that I don't keep talking and talking out of excitement and enthusiasm. I am so thankful for this church. We have a bunch of godly people who love to give. I know this to be true, even though it is a practice of this church that none of our pastors and board members have any access to any personal giving information. We've established systems where none of the pastors or board members can know what specific people are giving. We think it is more fun to give that way, and we think it is better for our faith when our giving is between God and us, and not what people think of us. And even though nobody knows how much you give, you love to give, and here's how I know why. You love to give even when we don't pass trays. <laughs> you love to give even when we rarely talk about giving. You love to give because we have a wise and godly board with a conservative, safeguarding approach to expenditures. And all the salaries are held to national norms in like settings i.e. rural small town setting like ours with a church of our size. That's how they govern national norms. All of that's clamped down, so it doesn't matter how much you give. That stays the same because our board guards that. You love to give because God is faithful, and it is so exciting to see what God is doing. You love to give because we have been on the front row seats of some amazing things God has already done. One example, we're sitting in one. This huge complex is debt-free because your generosity. I really appreciate that. God had a big part in that because we didn't have to pay top dollar. And God blessed us with that. So that's kind of fun too. Um, the fact that I spoke on the first Sunday of the year on Bold in Witness I'm just kind of excited. We didn't know this until after the fact. So last Sunday was the Sunday after that. We broke a record in attendance. We, I preached one time on Bold and Witness. Boom! We have a record break in attendance the very next week. Woo! That's just exciting stuff. Now, um, I'm... Getting off notes, it's going to take longer if I do that. Somebody brought in uh, our master plans uh, because we're having to go back to the drawing board. We're growing so rapidly and things are changing as we're adjusting to those changes like we have to tweak these again. And so that's really, really exciting. I love to be a part of something like that. Now, here are a few things that are exciting. The nursery has record attendances. 
The children's ministry is on the rise. The student ministry is on the rise. Small groups are breaking records in terms of total number of people participating in small groups. A new recovery group has been birthed and it is growing and thriving and people's lives are being transformed. I get excited about stuff like that. We're dreaming about our next steps to increase our impact with new Serve the City initiatives. And that's pretty exciting. Now, if you're a believer, generosity has already been birthed in your heart. You already want to be generous, but that doesn't mean everyone is able to be as generous as they'd like to be. This message is a message designed to encourage all of us. But this is only scratching the surface of our motivation. Do you know why so many people here love to give? Because so many of us have already received the most extravagant gift anyone could ever receive. We had all of our sins forgiven and we've been given eternal life. And with it, meaning and purpose for our lives right now in the kingdom of heaven, right here and now. There is something inside of us that is hard to explain that makes us want to be generous. Can you tell I'm a little excited about this lesson? Um, So I'm gonna set that aside. That's exciting. Okay, excitement down. Okay, we're gonna do a grammar lesson next. Okay, so you're excited about grammar. Here we go. A grammar lesson next. Here's a grammar lesson. A complete sentence has a subject and a verb. You excited about this? You're amazing. Excited about grammar. All right. So here's the question, just to kind of get us started. What is the subject of the Bible? Just kind of think in your mind. What is the subject of the Bible? And then what is the verb of the Bible? If you distilled the whole message of the Bible down to one sentence, what's the subject and what's the verb? Those of you who are lost, you know, sorry about that. Grammar kind of went, all right. What is your answer? Now, if your answer is the subject of the Bible, we are the subject of the Bible, you came to the wrong series. This is called selfless, okay? We are not the subject of the Bible. God is the subject of the Bible. Now, what's the verb? Now, we could take some guesses. If you are here last week, you're gonna guess, serve, serve, serve. No, if you're here other weeks, you say, love, love. Well, let's take a summary statement of the Bible And it's just an example. I mean, this is a case to just get us thinking a little bit. John 3.16. Many of us are familiar with that verse. It reads, for God so loved. There it is, love. But that's not the verb. That's not the main verb of this sentence. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. By the way, we're in there. We're not the subject. We're the object. The object of God's love, pretty neat stuff. And the main verb is not love, the main verb is give. So here's the focus for today. Godly people love to give. Godly, that means like God. If you want to be like God, maybe one of the most important things we've got to figure out how to learn, because this is kind of contrary to our human nature, is to give. Because God is selfless in that way. He gave out of his love. So I know that all across the nation in America, in our culture in particular, everybody gets really irritated and a little bit antsy when the preacher starts to talk about giving. I know that. I get that. Now, if you're a guest today and that's you, just kind of bear with us here, okay? Why are we doing this? Why are we making people irritated and uncomfortable? Okay, first of all, I don't plan to irritate you. I plan to encourage you. 
I, I don't plan to, you know, be a source of a raw spot, you know. I want to teach what Jesus taught. And Jesus taught a lot about giving, a lot about money. And there's a reason for that. Here's a statement on the screen. One of the important steps to breaking a sinful, self-centered pattern in our lives is the step of generosity. And Jesus talked about this throughout his ministry. It's like he was really focused on breaking this thing where we want it to be all about us. And money tends to be all about us. And he's trying to say, it won't work like that. You've got to be selfless here. And this means is a means. It's not an end for you. And he really spent a lot of time talking about it. So we're going to do a quick study here to look at three mindsets about generosity. If you're ready to fill in a blank, the first mindset about generosity, I have some visuals here that I'm hunting for, is you think I already got it. The bag. But no, I have another bag. All right, the bag. All right. Three mindsets. The bag. There is never enough. Some of you kind of feel like that's true of the bag. I want to look to a minor prophet, Haggai. He's not minor because he's lesser. The minor prophets are the shorter books. The major prophets are the bigger prophet books, and they're arranged in that order in the Bible. Haggai chapter 1, verse 6 reads this way. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Some, you, I relate to that. You feel like your bank account feels like a bag with a hole. You know, you keep pouring stuff into your bank account, and it keeps coming right out. Pouring it in, it keeps coming right out. And you're just like, oh, that's my bank account. I, I get it, okay? But the bag is an illustration of how when you run out of money before you run out of month, there's a reason for it. And we're going to have to get out of the I don't have enough mentality, which is the bag mentality. And when we do, we're going to discover the hole stopped up. And there's a reason for that. And that's what we're talking about a little bit. Now, just in case you think that's just an Old Testament thing, <clears throat> I want to tell you a little interesting story, but you're going to have to guess who we're talking about just with one verse. John chapter 12, here's a statement about a bag. He did not say this because he cared, cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Who is that about? Judas. All right, this is a scene. Judas was really frustrated. Now, Judas, of course, of all the 12, we don't know a lot about him, but I think he was given the treasury because he was a numbers guy. He was really good at this stuff. He had some good thought processes. And yet... The bag created something wrong in him. The bag mentality created something wrong in him. So there was a lady, she had a not-so-good trade, and she had her tricks of the trade, and her tricks of the trade was a jar of perfume that the jar of perfume was so valuable, she spent a year's wages to get it. But Jesus saw her and didn't look at her like a sinner. He looked at her like she was a person, and he loved her with eyes and words of acceptance that forgave her and she just broke inside and she wanted to express her gratitude to Jesus by his treating her like 
she's not scum. And so she came and she broke a year's worth of wages over Jesus' feet and began to wash his dirty feet. And tears came out and Judas was disgusted. He says, shouldn't that jar have been sold and the money given to the poor? He had this religious reason to take that money and put it in the bag. There's not enough to extravagantly give like that. That's a waste. And Jesus corrects him. That generosity is not a waste. She got beyond a bag mentality into focus on Jesus and not on herself in worship and thanks with an extravagant gift. Judas, on the other hand, has a problem. It's the bag problem. It's all about me. There's not enough going on right now. There's not enough going on in your ministry right now. Something's got to change because this is about me and this isn't right. And he was the one that was messed up. So we're moving from the bag mentality, there's not enough, to the basket mentality where there is enough. This is a very old basket, not as old as the one we're going to read about and talk about, so it's a different design, but an old basket to illustrate that there is enough. Deuteronomy chapter 28, 2 and 5 reads this way, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Hey, I want a blessed basket. Do you want a blessed basket? That means your basket will be blessed with lots and lots in your basket. There's enough. It'll be filling your basket. Now, here's what I'm not saying. There's a lot of preachers out there that says that if you will give, you'll become wealthy. There's a lot of preachers that will say, if you keep giving, God will make sure that you become wealthy. Does that sound off to you? It should, because that's a prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about a poverty gospel. I'm talking about a provision gospel, where God will provide and bless your basket, okay? So we're going to talk about that. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. Jesus, in the New Testament, says this. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Picture a basket. Okay, you're poor, you got a big round basket, you're sitting and a landowner comes over and pours into your basket all the grain. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So if you were with a basket, you probably wouldn't want it actually running over because it's hard to walk with it. You know, it's already spilling out. So literally, if it's running over, you're taking your robe and your apron and putting it under the basket, catching all the runover, and now you're walking awkwardly with a way blessed basket. How many would like a blessed basket? If you don't get this, I know you get this. You go to 7-Eleven, you get a Slurpee, you know, it's a slushy, and you fill it up to the top, and you go like this, it goes down, and then you fill it up some more, right? <laughs> then you put the plastic bubble over the top and fill up through the hole, right? <laughs> and then you take your strong goal like this. That's what we're talking about, blessed, okay? The blessed basket. Now, what you keep, what you keep, you will lose, right? What you give, it will be given to you, all right? He doesn't say keep and it will be given to you, hoard up and you'll be blessed. He says give it away and it'll be given to you. With the measure that you use, it'll be given back to you. He's not talking about prosperity. He's talking about opening up your heart so that your heart becomes a larger and larger conduit for his prosperity to bless others through you. That's what he's talking about, okay? That's a completely different way of looking at it. So, statement on the screen, what you keep, 
is all you have, what you give, God multiplies. Real quickly, Jesus fed 5,000 people. He took fish and bread out of a bag. He multiplied, 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 multiplied. It was a gift. He multiplies, multiplies, multiplies. And then he feeds all 15,000 people. You said, I thought it was 5,000. They counted the heads of households. It's 15,000 plus because of women and children. And then he gives what to all the disciples? One apiece. A basket. Okay, each disciple has a basket. Now go pick up the leftovers after everybody's fed. They each come away with an illustration of this truth. There's more than enough. And the basket illustrates that for the disciples with a memory indelible marker. So we move from the bag to the basket. From me, me, me to if I become an open conduit, then there'll be more blessing to others. Now, the last one, it's going to be hard to be pulling out of the bag, the barn. All right, so we had our grandchildren over last night, and my wife says, where's the barn? Oh, it's in my office. I'm using it tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, uh, this barn is great because it's a blessed barn. Uh, you can even hear the blessing. If you, shh. There's little cows. All right. Now, blessed barn. Now, let's go to the barn passage, Proverbs. We're reading this. Honor the Lord. This is Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. I know you see that, but in audio, they can't hear it. All right? (laughs) Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Don't get this confused with saving a lot to store a lot so that you can live fat and happy. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about not the prosperity gospel, but the provision gospel so that you become a conduit through whom you are blessed to be a blessing. And this is thoroughly New Testament as well as Old Testament. But I want to talk that through a little bit. First fruits. With the first fruits of your crop. I want to combine that concept, first fruits, with another teaching that some people think is just Old Testament, but it's not. It's thoroughly all through the Bible, the tithe. The tithe is a translation of a word that means tenth, okay? So those of you mathematicians, if you have $10, a tithe is dollar, okay? But which dollar? Okay? First fruits means it's not the last dollar, it's the first dollar, in the first fruits principle, if you're in an agricultural culture, you're supposed to give your first fruits before you had your crop come in. So the first crop that comes in, you give it all away so that God would bless the rest of everything. Okay? In other words, if you're only giving God from what you have left after you lived your month, you're giving God very little. But if you give God First things first, the first fruits at the beginning of your month, you're saying something to God that you are important to me and you're the blesser and you're the giver. Do you see the difference? First fruits, you do first things first. You're saying you're really important. But if you wait to see if you have enough, you're pushing God into the discretionary category. If I have enough. And God says what? So... I'm a God that you give leftovers to? Leftovers is different than first fruits. Now, I totally get that the tithe is a very difficult concept. But the New Testament says, that's just training wheels. 
It's a faith concept. It means I trust God to be the provider. I trust him for my income. So I'm going to go first with do first things first. And then God will make it work as he's the provider. Just in case you think this concept is just Old Testament, there's lots of other places. But let's just go three weeks ago when we had a guest speaker. His text was Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added into you as well. Remember that? Well, it occurs within a financial context. People were worried. They didn't have enough. They didn't have enough to feed themselves, to clothe themselves. They were worried that they didn't, wouldn't have enough. And Jesus says, okay, first things first. Seek first God's kingdom, and then I will make sure you have all of this too. Okay? And that's Jesus' teaching within a financial context when they totally got the first fruits idea and the tithe idea. He says, it's still true for you. I know you're struggling. Try the training wheels. Try the faith to see if God won't make it go further when you do first things first. What's really interesting, when you think that way, your bills come after the first things first. And the discretionary things get pushed off and you start putting more discipline in your life and people start to put it together. Now, if you're struggling here and you got a hole in the bag, hey, we offer Financial Peace University. That's a great way to patch up that hole and learn the first things first and do life better. Now, here's a New Testament, long passage from Paul to express this barn language. But you won't see the word barn, but I think you'll see the concept about God's provision. 2 Corinthians 9. 6 through 12. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will, watch the superlatives, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of what? Wealth? No, a harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way, whoa, I like that, enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Man, I'd like that. To be able to be always generous, whoa. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now the context is, Paul established all these churches in the Gentile regions far outside of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem, they considered the mother church. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where the resurrection exploded. And that's where the movement had its center. And now these people that are on the outside, on the outs with God, they're established in this new grace, generosity. And Paul's saying, now they need help. They're in a famine. 
They're barely able to feed themselves. We're struggling too, but we're not as bad as them. They all rallied together. They are already being taught about giving from the first fruits and their tithe, and they rallied together a large gift, and Paul brought the gift to just demonstrate the glory of God's grace by bringing Gentiles and Jews together in this generosity, and God received all the glory. It's pretty cool stuff. We're going to finish with this prayer. Dear God, you are a barn-busting, big-hearted, generous God. We want to joyfully give our first and best back to you. Show us where we can give more extravagantly, extravagantly to others. Holy Spirit, give us the courage to grow in generosity. Amen. Here's what I know about each one of you. Because God has placed this in you. You want to be generous. Inside you have the most fun when you're able to give. It's great to bless somebody else. But I also know sometimes it's tough. So it's a stretch of faith to test God on this, to step out in his, what he teaches in first things first. Let's stand together. If inside you want this for you, I want you to declare it, pray it loudly, pray it with us. Let's ask God to bless. Ready? Dear God, you are a barn-busting, big-hearted, generous God. We want to joyfully give our first and best back to you. Show us where we can give more extravagantly to others. Holy Spirit, give us the courage to grow in generosity. Amen. We have the prayer team to the right of the stage. If you have anything going on, it's kind of heavy, you want somebody to pray for you, we invite you to be a part of that. Next week is the last episode of Selfless. It's going to be about gratitude in the grind. Hey, isn't life a grind? All right, wouldn't you like to be filled with gratitude? We're going to give you help there next week. God bless you. If you're a guest, walk straight across the hall. We'd love to give you a gift. Thank you for being here.